0: Actually, I'm going to hand over to Sarah next. Uh, Sarah's going to bring the reading to us, which is on your Bible, in your Bible, page 1054, Luke 19, 28 to 40. It's actually described as Jesus comes to Jerusalem. So thank you, Sarah. Do you want me to hold this? So that's Luke 19,
1: verses 28 to 40. Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out.
0: Thank you very much, Sarah. Um, just to introduce myself, my name is Kate. Um, I'm one of the incumbents um, from St. Andrews. And it's a real privilege to, to make my spiritual home here with you and I have to say that the, the sheer faithfulness of those of you that have kept the church going over the many years up until now is I find very humbling so, um, so thank you for doing that. Um, my son is also here, Othi, who's pushing the buttons today and has a brilliant taste in t-shirts so do ask him about that one. Um, Othie is saddled with two older sisters who are both normally away at university at the moment but um, I'm afraid to say they have decided that their base is back at St Andrews so um, we're kind of a divided family at the moment, aren't we? But we cope. Um, so, now, my trip, my, the, the, the journey I did not like doing, if we could just, yeah, thank you, Arthur. Um, started with those lovely words, which I'm sure bring gladness to anybody's hearts. Well, Mrs. Carrow, I think it's time that wisdom tooth came out. And I, I'm, I'm a bit of a coward when it comes to the dentist. Othie's fine. You can poke or anything into Othie, and he doesn't mind at all. But I, I'm a bit of a coward when it comes to the dentist. So, And then he's saying, he carries on. Um, you see, it's not quite straightforward. You see, the roots look as if they go into the sinus. So if you pull it out, then there's going to be a hole in your face. And then you have to go to hospital and get it filled. By which time, I'm, I'm kind of at um, this position. Um, and, and, and then he says... Um, And and then, yeah, it might take a few months before they can fit you into hospital, so it might get infected and all the rest of it. But we have got a partner dentist over in in Marlow who who could probably fit you in in a couple of weeks and and, and, and do it straight away, and all in one job. So at which point I'm, just do it! Um, But then Christmas came along, so I had to park it for a few days, but then eventually the day comes when I have to face up to this particular journey Um, and I'm not very keen on going to the dentist at the best of times let alone when there's something going to happen in my head Um, so I had to go through a whole series of little measures okay I had to buy myself a chocolate bar and I left it on the side in the kitchen and when I get back to the house I can eat that chocolate bar and it'll all be over okay and I'm in the car I said next time I sit in the car on the drive I will be back and it will be over driving my way over to Marlowe. Next time I, I'm on the Marlowe Hill, it'll be over. Next time I'm parking in this car next time I come back to this car park in 45 minutes probably, it will be over. Um, and then I'm walking through Marlow, and then there's these coffee shops around and there's all these amazing, all these people having, having fun, drinking their chocolate and laughing. And I'm thinking, how can they possibly do that when I'm going to have a wisdom tooth taken out that might leave a hole in my face. Um, and eventually, um, And then I get to the dentist and I'm kind of... Next time I step across this door, it will all be over. Um, And, of course, I get in there. Um, It takes two minutes, okay? Everything's anaesthetised. Two minutes, the job's done, and I'm out. There's no hole in my face, nothing. I don't even get a bruise, so there's no sympathy. And um, nothing to say. I had this major experience, and and I don't actually even need any paracetamol or anything afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it was a complete... Anticlimax. it still needed several hours for the adrenaline to subside so i still went home and ate my chocolate and collapsed because they'd already they'd said to me don't don't do anything else the rest of the day just just make it quiet don't go to work sit down you know and i had my paper and my chocolate bar all lined up together and i did and it took me the rest of the day to get over this complete non-event um anyway but what we're looking at today is something a bit different to that isn't it we're looking um palm sunday we're looking at a journey that jesus made which is um, so significant that all four gospel writers talk about it. Um, We're looking at Luke's version today, but they all add a little bit extra. So we will bring in references to the other um, gospel writers in the meantime, but just to give a little bit of context to the journey. okay? Um, That's a bit small, sorry. Um, Shortly before Jesus sets off on this journey, he'd raised Lazarus from the dead. This had caused quite a stir, People were were talking about this, the crowds were talking about it. And the religious leaders did not like this one bit. Um, So they had already plotted his fate and they had issued instructions saying they wanted information about where he was. So Jesus and his disciples had actually withdrawn to a quiet region. They'd gone off the radar for a little while. But then he'd come back onto the radar um, with a a meal with Mary and Martha. Jesus' feet had been anointed during that meal and the crowds had worked out where he was and are talking about him. And this is on the the run-up to um, Passover. And then from that meal, um, they then set out on foot to go up to Jerusalem. So this is Jesus beginning his journey up to Jerusalem for the Passover and for his final final week on earth. And during that journey, um, he actually took, this is um, words from Matthew, he he took his disciples, on their way, he took his disciples to one side and he warned them this. He said, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. So he is very, very clear about what lies ahead of him even if the disciples haven't got that he's referring to himself um, he is very clear and I wonder if you've ever thought about the fact that actually as a carpenter Jesus would have been very very well aware of the combination of hammers and nails and wood so he would have been under no misapprehension about what crucifixion was going to feel like so what does he do well he plans he knows he's got the script he knows what he's got to do um scripture has foretold it it says rejoice greatly daughter zion shout daughter jerusalem see your king comes to you righteous and victorious lowly and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey so he knows he has to fulfill this on this journey so if we read the the account that Sarah just read for us um don't worry I'll, I'll pick out the bits okay he plans meticulously you talk about this he, you know um, he's been talking to disciples he's going on ahead going up to Jerusalem from that meal as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives he sent two of his disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden untie it bring it here if anybody asks you why are you untie it, say the Lord needs it Matthew, in his account, he adds that the cult is with its mother, who is also brought to Jesus, and that is significant. And Mark adds that the cult will be tied to a doorway and be sent back shortly. So if you look at the green, it says he's planning ahead. He's already planned. He can tell his disciples exactly where the cult is going to be, by a doorway, as soon as they enter the village. So it's very clear he's planned this. The the blue, he's arranged a password, and he's agreed to send it back. And the the yellow is very significant as well. It says that the colt has never, ever been ridden. And the fact that the colt is with its mother, um, who is also brought to Jesus. The colt is not... This probably... The commentators believe that this means that the colt has not been weaned. Um, so it's a very young colt. must have been a strong young colt to carry someone in. Um, but they... Um, it... it the, the, the commentators also suggest that this means that the cult is suitable for a sacred purpose, the fact that it's not been unsullied or made unclean by being ridden or used for another purpose so this is a pure cult that a, a, a sacred leader is allowed to ride and so Jesus does that um, and also the choice of a donkey or a cult um, is also uh, in those times the, uh, a leader would often have ridden on uh, a donkey um, as a sign of peace. Um, horses tend to be ridden in a war capacity. Um, apparently, um, donkeys are more sensible than horses. Okay, um, in that a donkey, a horse will just charge straight into battle if its, own, if its rider tells it to do it, whereas a donkey will often go. Uh-uh. Okay, so the fact that they're a bit more cautious, a bit more sensible. So donkeys tended to be riding on a donkey tended to be a sign of peace, riding in peace, and the fact that it is a um, often by a leader or a king, um, but also the fact that it's unridden, its it's a pure thing. So he's coming; he is setting himself up as a peaceful religious leader in in riding this donkey into town. Okay, so um, so what? So that's the the preparation. So what they do—the action. I, I couldn't resist a cute donkey picture, sorry. Um, there were a few others. I just couldn't resist that. There's two of them there. Um, one looks a bit sleepy. But so, so the action happens, unfolds, doesn't it? As, as Jesus said, um, those who were sent ahead found it just as he had told them, found the donkey exactly where it was meant to be. Um, as they were untying the colt, the owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. That's the password. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it and, out, and put Jesus on it interesting point there in the red it talks about owners um now in those days the, if a family owned a donkey or an animal um it would still be called owner only the man at the head of the household will be counted as the owner so in this case the fact that it's owners means that it's probably a shared resource by several families which suggests that he's jesus is borrowing this donkey from poor people um, so he's identifying with the poor in this. So he's identifying himself as a peaceful religious leader who identifies with the poor people um, come in. And that's probably why he made the, the promise to send it back afterwards, that he was going to make sure it got back there. Um, and we never find out who, whose job it was to take it back, do we? Probably the disciples have had to go and get it so. So, so doing it. so the planning is fulfilled. The location of the password all walks out. Um, and off they go, and the pageant begins... So they're going down from the Mount of Olives. This is probably, this is a modern view from the Mount of Olives. Um, so as he was going down, Jesus would have seen a, um, a more historic version of, of that view. So if you, if you imagine, this is a bit like, at this point in the journey, this is a bit like going down the Amersham Hill back up the Marlow Hill. Um, it's not a long journey. It's only about two to three kilometres. Um, And you can imagine if someone, as a group of people on the on the on the Marlow Hill, start shouting and screaming and making a bit of a spectacle, you can see it. I live at the top of the um, Amisham Hill, so I can see what goes on um, on the Marlow Hill. And um, so that would have been quite a visible spectacle. So people over there, where you see the temple is, would have been able to see a a rabble coming down um, from the Mount of Olives. Okay. And it says, um, and what the people's response is to this. Okay, he went along. The people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So again, the disciples are picking up that this is a king in the name of the Lord God, but coming peacefully. Okay. Um, and the praising God for all the power and the, the powerful miracles that, that Jesus has seen now interesting that the other three gospel all write, writers all add the waving of palm branches, the putting down of branches on the ground, and they all add the cries of Hosanna, which um, are also um, significant the the palm waving or the putting of branches down on the ground was actually a typical response of Roman crowds to when there was a triumphal procession. So although Jesus is coming as a, pe- previous, as a, as a peaceful leader, the crowd is responding in the manner of, a, of a, a Roman triumph when it was usually a sort of victorious general... Um, would ride into town with all his captives and his spoils that he'd gained from other places, um, and people would throw down palms on the ground to, to honour his path, and they would wave them around um, as a way of showing their, um, their support for him. And, um, and then Hosanna, okay, is... Yes, I'm in the right place. Hosanna is quite a significant word. We, we use Hosanna as a praise, you know, praise God, don't we? Actually, the root of it... Ooh, I've got a... Ooh, ha that doesn't, no, doesn't quite work. Never mind, I won't. <laughs> Stop playing with technology. Um, the Hebrew and, and the, the original Aramaic, they both... The root of Hosanna is save. Okay? It's um, saviour, rescue saving and it became liturgically to be used as as praise god here's the savior you are our savior you are our rescuer we praise you because you are big enough to do this um and psalm 118 where it turns up again is translated lord save us grant us success okay so it is the crowd who is putting into into this lord you know you are our savior you are our rescuer Some people would have interpreted it as Jesus coming in to rescue them from their Roman overlords. Um, Other people would have later retrospectively seen it as a reference to the fact that Jesus was coming as our saviour to mankind. The upshot basically is that this is Jesus arriving on the scene for the final sort of denouement of his life on earth. Okay. now the Romans you've probably noticed in the count the Romans don't really seem to bat an eyelid about this kerfuffle that is going on because actually in their line, line of thought this is not that big a deal it's just the Jews getting up to something um, having a bit of a celebration um, it's not really something for them to worry about but the religious leaders are very worried about this um, because obviously they've already got a death threat out on him they, you know, the ticket's on his head they're looking for him and here he's coming in a huge pageant Okay, and then they get to Jesus, they say, right, you rebuke your disciples, you stop them doing that. And he replies, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now that's, um, again, picking up from Old Testament, that's kind of an idiom, which is basically saying, you know, if, even if you try and gag this, the word will out, okay, that Jesus the Saviour has arrived. Um, so there's no point. So basically, the stage is set now, he's arrived, um, not, nobody else knows. Jesus will know that this is his final week. He's been trying to tell his disciples this is his final week. And it's to be continued in next week. I know John is leading several services this week. And we all know how it unrolls, doesn't it? But I wonder um, what we're going to do in our, after this. Sorry, yes, that's got slightly out of sync. Um, I just wanted, in our groups, um, after this, to have a little think about... What Jesus was thinking in the middle of all this. It looks like a really, ha- on the face of it, it looks like a really, really happy, wonderful time, doesn't it? The crowds are um, praising him, welcoming him. But, but let's have a little think. What, what do the records tell you about imme- immediately what happened? The next day, Mark tells us that he went out and cursed a fig tree, okay, because he was a bit hungry, so he cursed the whole fig tree. Um, then he goes on, he starts turning over the tables in the temple from the, the money changers. And then later in Gethsemane, we hear him saying these words, which actually John tells us, he also says, just pretty soon after he's arrived in Jerusalem, he says, now my soul is troubled, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but no, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. So I, you know, if that was a human being that you are talking about, you kind of think there's a bit of stress going on there, isn't there? So I think... I think it is fair to say that um, Jesus knew exactly what he was going into. It's very, I find it very humbling to think that even though he was being paraded as this amazing king, um, he actually found it distressing to go through this. Okay. And this is not exactly a quick trip to the dentist that turns out to be an anticlimax with full anaesthetic. This is, he's going to face the worst kind of death possible with no anaesthetic at all. Um, and not only that, not as soon as he's been nailed to the cross and died, he's then got to go down and spend his three days doing who knows what on behalf of our eternal souls. So I just think I just wanted to bring that aspect to it as a, a little thought provoker for us as we think about this week ahead. Okay. What is Jesus going through on this journey and the week ahead? Um so we're going to um I think we have a little bit do we have a bit more time in do we groups now? Yes, we do. So did I give yeah. I'm just going to pray for a moment, and then in your groups, do have a think about these questions. Does, does what we've talked about this morning give any change, any different change your attitude or your feelings about what Jesus went through on our behalf on this particular journey? And also, are you facing any particularly tough journeys at the moment? And, and if you feel able to share those, maybe in your groups you could, you could pray for one another in those challenges. So let's just pray now, shall we? Um, Heavenly Father, as we think about Palm Sunday and how on the one hand the crowd were ecstatic and delighted to see you, wondering what was going on, thought you were coming to to save and to rescue, which indeed we know you were, but not in the way that they thought, and yet in the middle of it you were facing the most difficult human journey possible and facing it with full knowledge of what was ahead of you. We thank you, Lord, for what you did on our behalf um facing up to this journey going through with it fulfilling your destiny on this earth and for what that has now meant for us in the future lord amen Amen. so so do share with one another and um, thank you